483. All right. Listen, the other, a couple weeks ago I was um, at work and I got up to tell someone something and I was trying to be goofy, you know, trying to be funny and having a good time. And, you know, when you sit in the, like a, a six by six cube all day long, you've got to be creative with what you do. Um, and it fits that I have a youth pastor personality because 
I don't know, I just get on people's nerves, but I have a good time. So I, I approached this girl, and I was going to tell her something funny. I don't even remember what we were talking about. And she looked at me, and she said this, you got a little something right there. And I was like, what? And I mean, I'm sitting there talking, and she's like, right there on your chest. And I look down, no joke. If you're honest, this has happened to you. If you say this has never happened to you, you're lying. I had a booger on my shirt. That's never happened to me. It happens, man. Especially when you have kids. I don't know if it's my booger. It could have been my kid's booger. It could have been Brandy's booger. I don't know. There was a booger on my shirt. It could have been Emerson's. It was very likely it could have been Emerson's. But at this moment, you're sitting there, and she doesn't call you out for what it is, but we both know what that was. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no hiding it. And she's just kind of snickering a little bit and looking at me. And I finish what I'm talking about, and I go back to my desk. And here's the one thing that you feel when you get caught with a booger on your shirt, is you are what? Embarrassed. Embarrassed. I mean, it's one of those things, you are, and I've got this written down on my notes, and underlined, uncomfortable. How many of you have ever had an uncomfortable moment in your life? Yes. Every Wednesday of this month, I've been so uncomfortable, and I'm so glad February's almost over, right? Um, Listen, everybody's had that moment where you've just been uncomfortable. And I tell you that to tell you this, that this conversation, this discussion, this topic is super uncomfortable, especially for y'all. It might not be uncomfortable to talk about to your peers, but when your youth pastor is talking about it, that makes it uncomfortable, right? Agreed? Like when the youth pastor mentions sex, that's weird. Why are you talking about that? Why are you saying that? Listen, Brandy gets uncomfortable. I'm pretty sure that's why she didn't come tonight, because she knew. <laughs> she could have told you, couldn't she? Melinda's a little bit uncomfortable. Jed's just whatever. <laughs> Here's the big idea. Listen. Here's the big idea. This isn't going to be that bad, I promise. Attraction and sex are both created by God. That sentence alone is uncomfortable. The Bible gives us specifications regarding those subjects for our protection and God's honor. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time together. God, I thank you for the Word of God. And and God, I pray, Lord, that you would just be with us as we dive into this tough subject to talk about. God, I pray that you would just uh, build us up, God. Lord, I pray that we would glorify your name and that we would open up our hearts and minds to hear what your word has to say about this topic and uh, that we'd become a better person because of it. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Listen, here's what you got to understand about the Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs. We'll go with that. Does that make you feel better? Song of Psalms. Songs. Um, it's a passionate book telling a story of two adults in a romantic relationship. Okay, so two adults together, that's kind of the big theme of this book of the Bible. This book, it uses vivid imagery, so it paints pictures. It gives you pictures to imagine, uh, to describe the story of these two people's relationships. And obviously, what we're going to dig into in chapter 2, verse 7 through 15, is a more sexual relationship. 
And we're going to find out what Scripture tells us about that. All right, so look at this, verse 7. Let's read. Chapter 2, verse 7 says this. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem. Hey, turn me down just a little bit. By the gazelles or by the hinds of the field, that you do not arouse or awaken my love until she pleases. All right, a couple of things right here. Adjure. That term is referencing a commitment. All right? So, so like, this is really important for you to understand. Okay? So we're talking about a commitment here. We're talking about a topic that's uncomfortable to discuss, but a topic that takes very much commitment. It takes commitment to um, live this out. Just like athletics. Like it takes commitment to be a good baseball player. It takes commitment to be a good volleyball player. It takes commitment to be a good cheerleader. It takes commitment to um, do good in school, right? All those things, you can't argue with those things. I don't care what it is. I don't care how tough it looks like. I don't care how easy it seems. All those things take commitment. You say, okay, well, well what kind of commitment does it take to be good in school? I mean, everybody does that. No, you've got to do homework. You've got to study. You've got to prepare. You've got to do all these things to, to do good on tests, right? That's commitment. If you want to be um, a good cheerleader, listen, I, I would never, there, there's multiple reasons I wouldn't be a good cheerleader, obviously, right? My personality doesn't work that way. But listen, I am not about to stretch as much as they stretch. Like, it's painful. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's commitment. It's commitment to go and learn how to do flips because you fall on your face half the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's commitment. It takes commitment to, to be a volleyball player, man. Like, busting up your knees and, and doing all that stuff, right? Like, you've experienced that before, haven't you? Like, it takes commitment to want to swing a baseball bat hundreds of times a week, like, it gets old swinging a baseball bat, man. Like, everything that you do, if you're going to excel in anything, you've got to be committed. It doesn't matter what it is. It takes commitment. See, and here's the thing. Uh, the topic that we're going to discuss tonight takes much commitment to handle it in a godly manner. It takes a little bit of commitment. It takes a lot of commitment to save yourself from marriage. Right? Because it's hard. It's hard. If we're completely honest with ourselves, we would say, yes, this is a difficult thing to do. It's a difficult thing to, to handle um, the desires of my flesh. Right? It's just like anything else, any other desires. You know, it's difficult to not cuss people out at school sometimes. <laughs> like that takes some work. Like, sometimes it's difficult to um, go to school and actually work hard because you know that working hard shows off God. Working hard is a discipline that, that God gives us, but that takes commitment. That's hard to do. It's hard to be nice to people. Listen, it's hard to handle the, the, the desire to have sex with someone when you feel a true love for that person. I had a, um, a student once, it was actually my nephew, and he told me, what's the big deal? I'm going to marry her anyways. And I laughed. <laughs> right? I, I, I don't care how much in love you feel. You may not get married, you may get married. 
Is that better? Listen, you never know. I know I've got I know several friends that dated through high school and they got married. I know more friends that dated in high school. Everybody thought they were going to get married and they didn't. And here's the thing. You don't truly know if you're going to marry that person. So if you give yourself to that person, you're giving away something that belongs to someone else. You see what I'm saying? It takes commitment, man. And then look what it says. I know y'all thought that I was going to bring this out and I'm going to immediately when you heard it, you thought, God, no. It says that you do not arouse or awaken my love. What does that mean? What does it mean when it says do not arouse or awaken? It means to maintain proper guidelines in regard to sex. This seems impossible for some, right? This seems impossible, especially for teenagers in a society that says you're a dork if you don't do this. That says that, that you, you aren't pretty if you don't do this, right? In a society that says those things, it's hard. It's almost impossible, but, call, but God calls us to be people of self-control. So how can we do this? How can we practice godly habits? Here's some uh, very practical ways that you can control this desire to, be, um, to, be, to have self-control in God's word. Number one, we're going to go with the easy, like the obvious answer to this question that you would spit out at Sunday school. You would be the first one to spit it out. That way you could be like, I gave an answer, but it's the obvious answer. You know what I'm talking about, Gage? Um, you must have a strong walk with Christ. Obvious answer, right? Yeah. So, so what are some habits we can put into our lives to create strong self-control? A strong walk with Christ, a strong prayer life, a strong Bible reading time, a strong relationship with God. All right, number two, what about this? What about this? Listen to me. Having a mentor that you are comfortable talking to. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm not talking about Savannah going to Megan and saying, hey, will you be my mentor? I need to talk about this. Like, no, it doesn't work that way, <laughs> right? I'm talking about like Savannah um, going to Brandy or Savannah going to Cherie or even Savannah going to her mom and saying, listen, uh, I'm struggling with this thing. I have these desires within me and I'm struggling with this and I need some help. I need, can you just pray for me? Can you talk me through this? How, how would you handle this? See, and most likely most of you don't have that person. Hey, listen, this is important. Most likely, you don't have that person because you feel uncomfortable going and talking to someone about this. Right? Some of you don't. Some of you have experienced that. Listen, I've talked to, to many students about these type of things, and, and I know it's uncomfortable. I know they have a hard time coming to me, but if you were to go ask those students, they would tell you that um, Pastor Chris did not make fun of me or tell me I'm an idiot. Pastor, Pastor Chris uh, understood. Because here, here's something that you've you got to understand. Um, I've been there. I've done that. Jed's been there. Jed's done. Melinda's been there. Melinda's done that. Melinda understands what you're feeling. You know what I'm saying? Like, does that make sense? And I'm telling you, if any of you were to go to Cherie or, or Melinda and say, Melinda, listen, will you talk to me about this? Can, can you help me understand what to do here? I guarantee you that Melinda's going to pour love into your heart and she's going to support you. 
See, see, and here's the coolest thing about it, is you can go to Melinda, and Melinda's not going to say a word to me. You know what I'm saying? See, th- these are the reasons that you got uncomfortable, because number one, girls, you're afraid that Melinda and Cherie's going to come talk to Pastor Chris. You don't want to, man, you don't want me to know what's going on in, in your personal lives like that, and I don't want to know. I want to know how I can help you, but I don't need to know those things. That's why we got these ladies in here, Right? I mean, like, if we were to take it to the next level and be like, okay, well, so-and-so's getting raped often, yeah, Melinda's going to come talk to me about that because that's a big deal. You see what I'm saying? Listen, find a mentor that you can trust. Find someone that you're comfortable talking to. Guys, come to me. Go talk to Jed. Listen, man, me and Jed's talked to each other about things before. Like, I guarantee you, you can trust, trust Jed. Like, Jed's going to have your back, man. Have a mentor that you can lean on, a youth pastor, a youth worker, a parent, a family member. It could be an aunt or an uncle, or it could be a grandparent. It could be anybody, someone to speak wisdom into your life. Okay, number three, some practical ways that we can create self-control. Having an open stance on the topic with peers. Listen, you would be surprised at how little peer pressure you feel when you tell your friends, hey, I don't want to talk about this because I'm not doing it. And you would also be surprised at how much they respect you for it. Right? And here's the thing, if they don't respect you for it, if they try to make jokes about it, if they try to make you feel little because of it, then they, they don't deserve your friendship in the first place. Like, be open about it. Like being able to say up front, I'm not going to do this, right? Like being able to tell a guy up front, hey, um, okay, so we're going to start dating. Here's the thing. I want you to know up front, I stand for a biblical idea of sex, and we're not having sex until I get married. Like you'll find out real quick what a guy thinks of you, right? Because he knows if you say it up front, man, you mean business. Number, number four, understand your weaknesses. Like, understand your weaknesses, man. Listen, that, this is the strongest thing I've learned in my life uh, of being a follower of Christ. The biggest strength I have outside of, of my personal relationship with God, outside of the, the strength that is in we, me through, through the Spirit of God, right? Outside of those things, the strongest thing that I have is, is my understanding of what triggers me. That's something that you, get, you just got to figure out. Some of you know what those things are, and most of the time you know those things because they make you uncomfortable to think about in your mind because you know that they're wrong and, and you know that you're going to give in to those things. Right? So, so for example, like, I'm not going to make you... Uh, uncomfortable if I'm not willing to just completely open up to you. Um, I understood when I was younger that my weakness with pornography was getting on the internet when no one was at home. So guess what that meant? Understanding that weakness, I could prevent it from happening. Because here's the thing with pornography, girls and boys, because, because listen, it, it's a sick thing that happens in your head. Um, it just takes a little trigger and you can't get rid of it. Small trigger, very small thing. 
and there's nothing in you that can keep you from giving into that unless you go to God. Unless you approach someone and say, man, Pastor Chris, I'm struggling with this. It's like that with anything else. When me and Brandy were getting married, um, or, or let's do this, whenever I wanted to stop drinking, right? We came to a place where me and Brandy were, we decided to get married, and Brandy said, I don't want this in my life. So I had to change who I was, right? Like, thank God, don't, like, don't tell me that God didn't send Brandy into my life, because had he not, who knows, I may have not quit drinking. I may not be a youth pastor right now. But he did, and Brandy stepped up and said, this is not going to be a part of my family's life. She said, you can still drink, but we're not going to do it like you've been doing it. And I said, well, I can't do that, so I quit. <laughs> but you know what it took? It took stop hanging out with my friends. Like, you think that was tough? Yeah, but I knew that was a trigger. I knew that was a weakness. I understood that. Here's another one. Um, whenever we started our premarital counseling, our pastor that did our premarital counseling, he said, we were like six months away from our wedding. And he said, listen, um, I know that you're probably having sex. We were living together. And he said, I want you to not have sex again until your wedding day. I was like, all right, we're going to do this. You know what that took? That meant me sleeping on the couch for six months. I slept on the couch because I understood that I had a trigger, Right? Listen, understanding your weaknesses is huge. If you have a weakness and, and, and man, that dude is hot and every time you go to his house and his parents aren't home, man, you just can't handle it. You, you just give in. Stop going to his house. Like, like understand that. See that and say, okay, this, this is my weakness. I need to stop doing this. You see that? Does that make sense? Last one you got to understand that this is not a negative topic. See, here's the problem. We oftentimes look at this as such a negative thing. Many Christians focus on the negative side of sex in our preaching and in our teaching ministries, but this passage, you'll find out, it, it focuses on, on the more positive purpose of waiting. It's not all negative, man. It's not a negative subject. It's not a bad thing to talk about. It's a good thing to talk about. Knowing the difference can, can better fuel your ob obedience. Look at this, verse 8. Let's keep reading. It says, Listen, my beloved. Behold, he is coming, climbing on the mountains, leaping on the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, he is standing behold, behind our wall. He is looking through the windows. He is peering through the lattice. Verse 10, my beloved responded and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come along. For behold, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers have already appeared in the land. The time has arrived for pruning the vines, and the voice of the turtle doves has been heard in our land. Verse 13, the fig tree has ripened its figs, and the vines in blossom have given forth their fragrance. Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come along. So, look, look, get this. I know that was a weird thing, and you're like, wait, what? Remember, it's painting a picture, all right? In the picture right here, notice it's talking about, it says, um, it says, for behold, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. So, it, it, it paints this picture of a farmer. Man, he's been working. You know, farmers work, man. That's hard work. 
He's been working and working and working. It's been cold. They've gone through the winter seasons, man. He's been working, preparing everything, doing all this work. He keeps working, but he doesn't see any, any fruits of his labor. He doesn't see anything producing because it's winter time, right? Like, like, like nothing's going to grow. Nothing's going to sprout. But he keeps working. He keeps digging. He keeps pushing. He keeps fighting. And then suddenly the, the rain comes. And then suddenly spring comes. And then suddenly things start blossoming. And then suddenly like, like the, the stuff is growing. And he starts seeing the fruit. And he starts seeing the, the benefits of all of his work that he's put in. Right? And that's the picture it's painting here. Like, like, think about this. How many of you think of something that you really like to eat before it's cooked, but your parents continue to tell you that's really bad for you? Cookie dough, praise God. Chocolate chip cookie dough. Uh, listen, I can't tell you how many times my mom and my wife have told me that's going to give you worms, and I'm like, I'll live with it, <laughs> right? Because it's good. I, listen, I'm going to die happy. Listen. Here's the thing, it tastes good at the moment, but man, it, it could have really bad um, side effects later on. You see, here's the thing, the farmer, he, he's worked all season, he begins to see the fruit of his labor, so do we when we wait on God's design for sex. Um, when we eat something that's, that's not fully cooked, man, it, it may be good at the moment, but it's bad later, Right? Um, listen, the same can be said about our relationships and the misuse of sex. Sex takes, sex takes your relationship somewhere that you don't want it to be. Get this. Like, like if you take anything from this, get this. Sex will take your relationship with that guy or with that girl to a place that you had no desire of it going before you did it. You see, and here's, here's the reason, because we have this idea of sex in our heads. It means we're grown up. It means we're together. It means that we love each other. It means this. And, and here's the thing. God created sex to be a beautiful thing. Listen, this should not be this uncomfortable to talk about. How many of you are still uncomfortable? A little bit. That's okay. Listen, the reason, let me tell you the reason it's uncomfortable, because it is. The reason it's uncomfortable is because we've distorted the view of sex. We've distorted what sex means, right? Like, like we've messed it up. Like in our culture, in your generation, it's more of a game than it is something that God created for a man and a woman to come together and, and be united as one. It no longer means that. You see, but here's the thing. We don't think of it that way, but when you have sex with someone you're not supposed to have, you have that link, and you can't do anything about it. Suddenly, the relationship isn't what it was before. Things are different. The way you view each other is different. It's not healthy anymore. Uh, suddenly it's, it's as if you're more of a, in a prison cell than in a relationship. And it's because you bound yourself with that person and you weren't meant to. Right? That, like, get this. Let's read. Because, listen, and I, and I don't mean this to be so negative because it's not. Right? 
Like, like, and if you've been there, if you've done that, this doesn't mean that you're a terrible person, man. Start all over. You can't do anything about the past, but you can do something about moving forward. You can rededicate that part of your life to God. But look at this. It even gives us a warning right here. And, and it continues that idea of a farmer and, and, it's, and, and all of his labor and, and the fruits start growing. The food starts coming up. Everything's working great. But look what it says in verse 14 and 15. Or no, verse 15. It says, catch the foxes for us. The little foxes that are running, ruining the vineyards while our vineyards are in blossom. So it says, listen, these foxes, man, like the, these little animals, they're, they're kind of cute, but they destroy everything that you've worked so hard for. Like, like, what's the imagery there? The imagery is this idea that, that man, you've worked this hard. For me, it was, it was, I made it through high school, man. Like, you could argue, I made it through the hardest part. <laughs> when I was in high school, I didn't have sex with a girl. Like, for whatever reason, as much terrible things I did in my life, for whatever reason, I don't know if my mom just instilled this in, in my mind or or whatever it was, I, I respected girls. I never tried to um, get a girl to have sex with me. I never tried to pressure a girl into doing that. And when I got out of high school, I said this. I'd been dating the same girl for, for three years at the time, and I said, well, we're out of high school. We're probably getting married. And I did. You see, to me, it, it, it was this fox. Man, I worked so hard, 18 years, 18 years, and the most depressing part is I've had sex with two people. Like, you know how sad that makes me? You know how much that hurts my heart that I worked so hard and I gave in to one person and that person has something that God created for Brandy? And I want you to think about that. Think about that, man. Like, consider those things because you guys have something and, and, and it's not too late. You have something that, that God made for somebody else. And here's the thing. Here, here's something else. It's never too early to start praying about your husband or your wife. God, you, you've created someone for me. God, help them to control the urge. God, help them to save themselves for me. I don't know who it is, God, but I pray, Lord, that they would be strong and that I would be strong so that we can have this thing together because neither me or Brandy did that. Listen, this, this is a good thing. So don't make it negative. Don't make it a bad thing. Listen, I've already got the rest of our series planned out for the rest of this year, and we're not talking about this one more time this year. Everybody can say amen, <laughs> right? It may come up here and there, but we're not going to do this again. But I want you to understand something, that it's much more than just a game. It's much more than just a thing to say, hey, our relationship means something. We had sex. It's a very important thing that God gave us. So stay strong. Think back at these things. Think back at the, these practical ideas. Pray. Read your Bible. Have a mentor. 
Listen, the strongest thing, have a mentor. Find someone to talk to. Have an open stance. Let people know, hey, this is where I stand on this. Right? Pray. Have a mentor. Have an open stance on it. Understand where you're weak. Know where you fall short. Know your buttons. Know your triggers. And control those things. Don't let them control you. You control those things. And that's with anything, man. That's with anything. If you have anger issues, know what triggers that anger and stay away from it. Right? Stay away from those people, Savannah. And understand that this isn't a negative thing. Like, this doesn't have to be a negative topic. Amen? Everybody lock up. Y'all glad that's done? It wasn't that bad, was it? All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for these teenagers, God, what they mean to me, God. God, you, I hope that somehow they understand what they mean to me, and, and I'm confident that I can say the same about our youth leaders. Um, God, we, we love them, and, and we care about them, and, and this is such a hard thing to talk about, and it's such a hard thing to get across because there's so much pressure, and there's so much desire, and there's so much going on in the world around them that, that's pushing them to give in and give themselves to someone just to be able to say that they did it. But God, I pray that you'd give them strength. God, I pray that you would encourage them. God, I pray, Lord, that you would be with us, God, that, that they would see us as mentors and that they would come to us, whether it's me or, or Melinda or Jed or the others. God, that you would give us wisdom, God, and that you would give us the patience and, and the soft-heartedness to be able to speak to them in a way that they understand and in a way that pushes them to live for you rather than to give in to this temptation. God, I pray for those that maybe they have had sex. Lord, it, it doesn't make them this terrible human being. <laughs> I think a lot of times we look at it and, and we like to judge people, but God, rather than that, I pray, Lord, that you would just help us to have passion in, for those people. God, I know what it feels like to, to go through that and and the frustration of it, and what it means going forward, God. And I pray, Lord, that you would give those people strength, God. I pray, Lord, that their temptation is stronger than anybody else's because they've been there and they've done that. But God, Lord, help them to understand that the, the, the couple minutes of pleasure that that provides, God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would see that it's not worth eternity and it's not worth what it, what it means in the big picture. And God, I pray that as they go forward, God, that they would have strength and that you would just help them to, to make a stance and understand their triggers. And God, if it ever comes up again with us, God, just, just help us to be adults about it and help us to be mature and, and that we can just lift these students up as we go forward, God. And I pray, Lord, that you'd bring us back Sunday morning. We're going to have breakfast. We're going to have a good time. And I pray that our Sunday school classes would just be full. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.